Howdy, listeners. Uh, we're on to, to episode three of this series with uh, Dr. Stuart McKenzie. He just keeps bringing up more and more great information that we, we want to help get out there. So um, he's joining us again via, via Zoom link. And sitting to my left is Mr. Ollie Morsley, the younger physio. I won't say better looking. There's a that's too subjective. Um, and um, I he is. Um, and I think one of the big things that, that we face as, as physios is obviously the ACL repair, the, the dreaded sporting injury for a lot of people. A lot of, a lot of people have big misconceptions about this one. Um, but also it, it can be can be very problematic for, for some people that, that do suffer them. I might hand over to you, Stuart, just to help give some definitions about you know, what the ACL is, um, what happens with, with the ACL injury, and then kind of perhaps what surgical options there are, because this is a huge conversation I have all the time when I detect a, a potential ACL um, rupture. Okay, so the ACL is one of, I mean, there are lots and lots and lots of structures in your knee, it's very complex, but the, the ACL anterior cruciate ligament is one of the four major ligaments in the knee. Um, and it's one of the more commonly injured uh, or ruptured. Um, and it's, it sits right in the middle of your knee and it runs between the, the shin bone and the thigh bone. And its job is to stop those two bones sliding uh, relative to each other. So it stops your shin bone from sliding forward on your thigh bone. Um, it, it's quite common, as you said, as a, a sporting injury, but workplace injuries as well. And sometimes things like car accidents and that sort of thing that the ACL can be injured. Um, some people do fine with, a, with an injured ACL and don't need anything done, um, and especially people who might be older or have you know, lower day-to-day -day needs with what they need to do with their knee. Um, some people, however, have a lot of trouble um, with the knee feeling unstable and feeling like they can't trust it. Um, and so for anyone who wants to get back to sport, any kind of sport is very difficult to do without a functional ACL. Um, and some people who work in um, more physically demanding jobs um, find that they are unable to do those without an ACL as well because they just feel like they can't trust their knee. And sometimes it physically gives way under them when they try and do things. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I, it's actually funny that you mentioned that. There's a, obviously, I, I'm sure you're very aware of a, an emerging body of, of study and evidence around um, perhaps not needing to do ACLs and that kind of stuff. And, and there's obviously arguments for and against that, which we won't get into. But my dad actually had an ACL rupture back in his 20s, didn't know until he was uh, 55, 60, um, was suffering some knee pain and we investigated it and his uh, knee was ACL deficient or just wasn't there, um, but he'd lived his, his whole life. But, you know, that's, that's definitely not everyone. Um, and more commonly is, yeah, that, that instability, that lack of trust in the knee and especially with sports that require change of direction or, or um, manual jobs like laborers and that kind of stuff to a problem with yeah it definitely highlights the fact that it's not absolutely necessary that if you you know injure your knee in the acl um, that you need surgery it's certainly not required i actually have a question stuart in regards to reattachment rates um without surgical management do you know much about that um so when the acl what we call ruptures or tears 
it usually pulls away from the bone. So it's, it's, sometimes it's the middle part of it just tears in half, but usually the, the end of it that's attached to the thigh bone pulls off the thigh bone. That's the most common way it gets injured. Um, and sometimes that scars back down um, and it can heal back down, but it, it usually doesn't heal back down in the right spot. Um, sometimes it doesn't heal onto the bone at all, but it scars onto the posterior cruciate ligament, which is right next to it. Um, and that, what happens with that is probably part of the reason for the difference between people's um, functional impairment. You know, people who it doesn't scar back to anything and it's completely loose probably have more symptoms than people who it scars down. But so that, that may explain why some people are fine and don't have too much trouble. But there are still plenty of people who've had it scar back down who it doesn't work normally and still isn't good enough and they feel unstable and still have to have it reconstructed. We don't repair anterior cruciate ligaments except in extremely rare circumstances um, because usually the ligament stretches before it's torn. Um, and that may be also be why when it scars back down, it's longer than it originally was, so it's not as stable, as well as not having the firm attachment to the bone. So you still get more movement. Um, so yeah, we don't repair them for that reason. And, um, and that's probably part of why um, you still can be unstable even though it scars back. Yeah, for sure that, that yeah, it makes complete sense for me. Really info. Yeah. Do you want to briefly describe the procedure of um, uh, ACL reconstruction for the yep. list? So, um, as you point out, we, uh, I mentioned we don't do a repair, we do what's called a reconstruction, which means you actually take the old anterior cruciate ligament out. This is done arthroscopically, so through keyhole surgery. Um, most ACL reconstructions, you'll have the two small keyhole incisions that you need for the arthroscope, and one incision that's about three or four centimetres long that you need as well. There are a number of different techniques that can be used. The, the most common ones are to use part of the, what's called the patella tendon, so the, the tendon that joins your kneecap to your shin bone, or to use um, uh, some tendons from your hamstrings um, at the back of your knee. The most common technique in Australia is to use hamstrings tendons, and, and that's what I use. Um, what that involves is taking two tendons out from the hamstrings, and you can do that from that little um, incision that I mentioned, um, the three centimetre incision. And interestingly, those hamstring tendons actually grow back. Um, so you end up getting close to normal hamstring function back. Um, you then thread those tendons up through the shin bone and the thigh bone so that they're running in the same direction between the two bones. So they're attaching to those two bones at the same points that the old ACL attached. And you secure that at both ends. Um, once you've done that, because you've taken those tendons out of the body, they're effectively dead tissue. Um, and so you need to protect that to allow it to grow in. So what happens is blood vessels actually then grow back into that tissue and the tissue um, becomes alive again. Um, and in fact, the, the proteins in ligaments and tendons are quite different. Um, and over time, the new, that tendon that we've taken changes and turns into ligament. The, the, the proteins in it change. So it actually turns into a ligament. So we attach it to the bone at either end um, and we actually sort of dock it into the bone in tunnels um, and then the bone grows into it and secures it there um, over time and the, the, that uh, tendon turns into a functional ligament. Yeah, that, that's Super one of the most amazing <laughs> things about the human body and how it's so adaptable and, and, and can change. One, with the tendons growing back um, and becoming stronger uh, after the surgery, well, not becoming stronger than they were pre-surgery, just to clarify, but returning to a, a normal function, um, but then the morphing of that tissue. And um, I've, I've had that chat with patients because it's, it's 
correct me if I'm wrong, because I may may stuff this up, but that happens over about that first 12 week period, that morphing, or is it if I got that not quite right? It takes a bit longer than that, probably. Um, so it's we consider so one of the risks with any surgery is failure of the surgery, and the big risk with ACL reconstruction is that the tendon re-ruptures. Um, and it probably takes at least 12 weeks before you start to get those blood vessels growing back in and the tendon coming back to life. And it's probably more like the six between the six and 12 month mark that that tissue then changes type from tendon into ligament tissue. Yeah, that, that actually makes more sense now that you've just said it like that because it's for just for the listeners, the rehab that the physios do after that 12 week mark tends to become more functional based and more intense, uh, which um, as the, the tendons morphing, we want to apply the, you know, some gentle load and progress that so that it becomes stronger. And that's how muscles get stronger. Um, it's based off, uh, I believe, Wolf's Law, roughly, um, uh, how that process happens. But that's why it's really important to follow through with rehab um, in an ACL situation because that's a, a big part of, of what's, what's going on. It's also really important to follow your surgeon and physio's advice and do the rehab at the right rate because in those first 12 weeks particularly, the tendon's very vulnerable to re-rupturing because at that stage, it's not a living tissue um, and all our tendons, ligaments, all our tissues go undergo micro-trauma all the time when you're moving them, using them. There are little bits of damage, but our body repairs those. When you've got in those first 12 weeks, that graft tendon that we've put in there isn't capable of repairing itself. So if you use it too much, if, if your knee's feeling good and you do too much in that time, it's a bit like getting a, um, a plastic ruler or a paperclip and bending it back and forwards and back and forwards. If you do it enough times, eventually it'll break. Um, so you need to wait until that tendon has the capacity to heal itself before you can put a lot of load on it. Otherwise, it will re-break. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, they're looking at putting in uh, artificial materials instead of tendon grafts. I've heard of this uh, very briefly. Do you want to talk a bit more about that and why perhaps you don't choose to use artificial? Um... Yeah, so the, the, there's the most common one people would have heard of maybe is the Lars ligament. It was very popular, especially with AFL players about 10 years ago, I think. Um, and it's a fully uh, synthetic graft. Um, and it means that you then don't have to take your own tendons or to, to use. Um, so the rehab is quicker because you don't have to worry about that ingrowth. The problem is that it's a fully synthetic graft, so it never grows in and becomes a living tissue again. So it is subject to that micro trauma and that fatiguing. And so just like that paperclip or that plastic ruler, over a period of years, it's gonna slowly, that's all gonna build up that fatigue and eventually it will rupture. Um, so they're, they're, it's guaranteed that they will eventually re-rupture. Yeah, gotcha. That's a, a really interesting conversation. I remember having, distinctly having this conversation with a patient about five, six years ago um, about using like their tissue um, being at the, the hamstring tendon or, or the Lars um, graft because they had done, done some research on it. They ended up um, not having the Lars under the, the surgeon's advice at that point as well. But um, there's something that I wasn't really aware of before you send us over some material, which is this augmentation um, with the graft is something that, that you do. What, what's that about? And can you tell us a bit more? It, it's something that's been coming popular at the moment. And there are two ways of doing it. One's what's called an internal brace, where you do use a, a small piece of 
um, synthetic material along with your tendon graft, um, which allows a bit of a bracing internally, so it protects that graft a bit and while it heals in. Um, the other option, the other thing we're doing in selected patients, it's not necessary in everyone, um, is doing what's called a, a lateral augmenta augmentation procedure. Um, one of the jobs of the anti-recrucial ligament is that it stops your knee from rotating, your bones rotating relative to each other. And as you guys know, that the most common cause of injury is a rotational um, injury at the knee. It, it does do that, but it doesn't do it very well because it's right in the middle of the knee, as I said at the start. So it doesn't have much mechanical advantage for that rotation. And so um, the, if you um, do a procedure on the outside part of the knee, so we call the lateral part of the knee as well, it has a much better mechanical advantage for controlling that rotation. Uh, and so, and there, there is a ligament there that does that, which almost always gets torn as well. We're just never worried about doing anything about it. Uh, and so what we do now is we take a, a piece of what's called uh, your iliotibial band um, and just a, a strip of it about a centimetre wide. So it means you're leaving about three quarters of that iliotibial band intact uh, and you detach it um, from one end and you leave it, it attaches down to your shin bone, your tibia, you leave it attached to the shin bone and you plug that, the free end of that bit of graft into the side of the femur or the thigh bone and what that does is it doesn't allow that lateral, that outside part of that tibia to rotate forward on the femur. So that also protects the, the graft a bit, the, the ACL reconstruction a bit while it's growing in. And in the longer term, it gives an extra element of stability to the knee as well. So it, it's something that has been gaining popularity over the last year or two. Um, and it's at the moment used mainly in higher risk patients. So people who are gonna get back to high level sports really high high uh, demand work. Um, and especially I see quite a number of military people um, with ACL injuries and, and we, I do it on the, them as well because I think their, their risk of re-rupture is higher. And this probably, as well as making the knee feel a bit more stable, decreases that risk of re-rupturing as well. Um, because the re-rupture rate for an anterior cruciate ligament reconstruction is about 10%. So lots of people will re-rupture it at some point. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's, that's really interesting, especially about the one, the re-rupture rate, obviously, but the, the big thing that I, the conversation I have with lots of patients over the last 10 years of being a physio, and I, I used to do a lot more ACL rehab perhaps than I do these days. Um, but back then is it around the six to 12 month mark where they've gone through some, some rehab and, and whatnot, and they still, or even later, like two years down the track, I sometimes will get a patient come in and like I had this ACL two years ago and I still just don't trust my knee. Um, like it feels like it's something's going on. Do you think that the, the augmentation that you're talking about here, that extra bracing may influence that or we don't know yet? We, we have some data coming out that suggests that it will help that sort of thing. And because as you'll know, a lot of those patients will tell you, I don't trust it. And it's when I'm twisting. It's when, if, I, if I've got my foot down and I twist, I, I can't trust my knee. It feels a bit funny or a bit unstable. And that's those two bones twisting relative to each other. And so the lateral augmentation controls that rotation, that twisting of the bones. So it means that those twisting kind of movements are probably going to be more comfortable for the patient. Yeah, cool. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's go. really, really good. Yeah, I have a question sort of touching on that. Obviously, with any kind of surgery, um, I'm sure patients will feel that um, their body's starting to fail them or that they feel like since the surgery, they now have sort of physical limitations. 
And in respect to the ACL uh, reconstruction that you would perform um, in patients, anywhere between the, the average guy all the way through to an elite athlete, what are some recommendations and some advice and some dispelling that you may have to do with patients who may be a bit fearful um, or conservative about what they think they can and can't do after surgery? Yeah, I think it's um, it's really important to, to acknowledge that, yeah, people do get anxious about surgery and about what's going to happen afterwards, and that's completely natural. Um, and you know, I've had surgery and I was anxious about having it done. Um, the aim of doing an ACL reconstruction is to get people back to as normal um, activity as we possibly can. Um, and you know, as you point out, elite athletes get back to being able to play you know, NRL, AFL, you know, football, you know, American football, soccer at the highest levels. Um, so there's no reason um, that people can't get back to that level of activity. Not everyone's going to get to the level where they, they want to do that or that they're comfortable doing that. But our aim is to get people to the point where we don't have any restrictions on what they're able to do with their knee. That's, that's a big part of the point of doing the surgery. Lovely. Thank you. Um... And, and um, yeah, that really, really helps. I think a, a lot of people hearing that, especially from the, the surgeon as well. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have anything else? No, I'm done for questions. Oh, wow. Not like last episode, you just kept yeah, firing away. <laughs> Gatling gun. Yeah. So if you are, if this is the first episode that you have listened um, in with, with Dr. Stuart McKenzie here, um, we've actually got a couple of others as part of a series. So if you, you go back on the podcast, you can listen to um, episodes about arthritis um, and treatments outside of surgery for that, as well as in the next episode, we talk about uh, joint replacements in knees, especially Um and obviously this one uh, was, was for the younger population group about, uh, about ACLs. Um, well, I think that probably wraps it up for me as well. Thank you so much again, Stuart, for taking the time. I know you're a busy man. Um, and really generous of you to, to share all that information with us. That's my pleasure. Thank you. Stuart, where can we find you? Uh, so I'm at rooms at Merriweather, um, just near um, Lingard Hospital um, in, in uh, Merriweather, uh, sorry, in Lingard Street. Yeah, perfect.